Well, good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me this morning. We're starting a new study and um, it's it. we're going to start in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. So this will be an interesting study. Um, this week, we, my mother has been um, sick and she came to stay with us and so I'm, I'm getting to take care of her like she took care of me for so many years. And um, she's she's doing well and improving, but say a prayer for her that she'll continue to do well and improve more. Um, so let's look at the, the letter. It says in my Bible, the letter of Paul to the Philippians. And the reason that it calls it a letter, as you probably already know, is because it is a letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians and um, sent to them, maybe by a courier or something like that. It really put me in mind of our time in Nigeria and with planting new churches um, because Clint, we we tried, and he especially, Clint especially, tried to use the book of Acts as a guidebook for how to plant churches. And so we came up with this idea of using the letters. And we had he had planted uh, churches in a region of a large people group called the Jar People. And so there were a number of new churches. And they didn't really know how to um, study the Bible or, you know, how to answer their questions or anything um, at the beginning. And so what he did was he would write a letter and he would say, I want you to read these scriptures, um, you know, one, two, three, whatever it was, and discuss those. And then on so-and-so date, I'm going to come and we're going to have a discussion about that topic. And so whatever topic was coming up as a problem in the church, um, he, he would address that with a letter. And so it was a, it was a unique time and it, it did accomplish um, the purpose, you know, of being able to disciple the people. And so we're going to read Paul's letter. Now, Paul was, you know, th this letter is more, I guess, establishing the doctrines of the church. The letters that Paul wrote, they do a lot towards establishing some doctrines of the church. And other people wrote also, Peter and others. And so they're, they hold a lot more weight, you know, than the letters that we might have written. But it was the same purpose. It was for establishing the doctrines of the church with the people um, who were new Christians or young Christians, maybe. And so let's go ahead and start reading, and then we'll just discuss as we go along. So this letter is to the Philippians. Now, the Philippian church, you remember in if you look back, you can read in Acts chapter 16, where 
Paul had the um, vision of the man from Macedonia saying, come over, you know, and help us. And he went over to Macedonia, which was in Europe. And so the church he planted over there, the Philippian church was the first uh, church in Europe. And so it, it was one that was very dear to Paul's heart, as you can tell when we study through this little book, because the way he greets them and the things that he says, you can tell he's just, um, he loves them. He takes pride or, you know, joy in what kind of a church they are, I guess you might say. So let's read the first two verses. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a few things we can pull out from that. Um, first of all, Paul is talking about himself and Timothy. So Timothy was together with him. And it's believed that Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison um, in Rome after he had been arrested. And he was under house arrest for some number of years. And so this letter was one that he wrote during that time. And so Timothy, I think, was there with him, not necessarily in prison, but you know, visiting him or spending time with him. And so he includes Timothy in his letter. Another thing he says here, he calls himself and Timothy bond servants of Christ Jesus. You know, bond servant is um, more than just a servant, a servant that receives a salary and... Um, then goes home at the end of the day is a little bit different. But a bond servant then is almost like a slave or, um, you know, someone, an indentured servant in some way. And so that's what he calls uh, himself and Timothy, bond servants. Um, so that's a very strong tie, I guess you might say, or, or a permanent, you know, maybe permanent um, fixation, you know, to, to Christ Jesus. And then he says, uh, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. And so he calls them saints um, in the sense of saints that in the way of um, holy ones or ones that have been set aside by God. Um, not saints like y'all are perfect, you know, it's not like that, you know, we hear some people say, oh, he's a saint, goody two-shoes, you know, that kind of thing, it's, it's not like that, but these were, this was a reference to the fact that they were Christians, that they had followed Jesus, so this is who he's writing to, the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, so you get the idea of the church there, including the overseers and deacons. So he wanted to be sure that 
they knew that this is just not a letter for your household, whoever he, you know, sent it to or sent it through or whatever, but this is for the whole church, including the leadership. Another thing that this tells us then is that the church was well established in Philippi if they had already um, elected deacons and overseers or pastors, you know, they had a well-established church there. And then um, in verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, Paul didn't have the corner on God or Jesus, did he? And so this greeting, you know, what he's really saying is something that we might say uh, we're greeting you in Jesus' name, or we're sending you a godly greeting, or God bless you, you know, or something like that. In other words, if we say God bless you to a person, that doesn't mean we have the corner on God, and we are able to be the one to give out the blessings from God, but but just that this is a greeting, um, meaning I'm greeting you in Jesus' name, or I'm greeting you in the name of our Father. Um, and he says, grace and peace to you. So grace, as we've talked about before, is unmerited favor. or So the favor of God to you and God's peace to you is what he's saying. Okay, let's go on now and let's read... Um, the next little section, let me get the page turned here, verses 3 to 5, so I'm still in chapter 1 of Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So, he's, he hasn't yet stated the purpose of his letter, but he's still greeting them. At, this is still the beginning. Thanking God in every remembrance of them. So, the things that they did and the way that they accepted the gospel were so pleasing to Paul. They gave him so much joy that every time he thinks of them, he gets joy all over again. And that is really something uh, to think about a church that every time you think of that church, it just makes you just happy to know the things that they are doing and the way that they're doing it. Every church should strive to have that reputation um, that the first thing that you know pops into someone's mind about your church is that of how dedicated you are to the Lord or how exciting the things are that are happening there or, or the love that you have for each other or whatever. Those good and positive things are the things that should pop into someone's mind right from the start about a church. And then he says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. So 
even when he prays for them, he's joyful, uh, knowing, I guess, that they're doing the right things and doing well and, and prays for them in joy. And then he says, in view of your participation or sharing in the, the uh, gospel from the first day until now. So when he went there, he shared the gospel. And you'll remember that Lydia was one of the women who accepted the gospel uh, from his hearing him preach. And so he's saying, you know, from the very first day when I preached the gospel, you joined in and followed the gospel, you know, followed Jesus. And so that's the thing that's bringing him so much joy about them because not only did they jump in and participate or take part in the gospel from the very beginning, but even up till now, he says from the first day until now, so they have continued that on. They have not dropped it. They've not um, suddenly decided, no, that what, you know, we made a decision, but now we, we don't think it was the right decision, and we've gone back on it. Nothing like that. And so um, that's the thing that's giving Paul so much joy. Now let's go to verses 6 to 8. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Okay, there's several things that we can pull out from this. So in verse 6, he says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, who began a good work in them? He's not talking about himself. He's talking about um, Jesus or the Holy Spirit who began to work in their hearts from that very first day and continued on. And so he's saying that the one who began to work in them is going to perfect it or continue the good work and perfect it until the day of Christ. And so he means until Jesus comes back. Now, you know, in those days, they didn't know, just like we don't now, they did not know when Jesus would return. And so to them, the return of Jesus may have been, may have felt like it was going to be very soon. You know, if they had known, if someone had told them, oh, 2,000 years from now or more, um, Jesus still will not have returned, then, uh, you know, that may have been shocking to them. And so they, they looked for the return of Jesus as though it were imminent. And so he refers to it here in saying, um, that, you know, the one who's working in you is going to continue to perfect you until the day of Christ Jesus. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He doesn't just live in our hearts to just be there. 
Um, but he lives in our hearts for a purpose to guide us, to show us how to live, to help us to understand the Bible or to understand the things that, that we learn about God and to be able to have understanding and many other things so that when we do something wrong, God works on us to try to perfect us, to try to say, you know, with our conscious, um, you know, thoughts there, the Holy Spirit will say, you know, that was wrong. You should not have done that that way. Next time, you should do that differently or whatever. You know, he guides us and he teaches us. And then in verse 7, it says, uh, it is only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. So, you know, this is a very personal letter that he's writing. And he obviously cares a lot about these people. And also, he says, since, uh, or in other words, because of, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. So they have participated with him in the gospel. In other words, they may, uh, and as we go through, we'll see, but they, they may have supported his ministry. And even while he was in prison, you know, sent him things, sent him food or money, so that he had food because you know it wasn't like prison today where you you're in there and the government feeds you it's not like that in a lot of places your friends and family are the ones that bring you any amount of um substantial food that you might would get and um then he refers to the defense and confirmation of the gospel so you know i we don't know exactly what he meant by that, but we can feel that they were supporting the gospel message in the things that they were doing. They were defending the gospel. They were confirming the gospel to other people, sharing the gospel with other people and talking about it with others. Um, and then, I'm sorry, I didn't read verse um, 8. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So again, he's expressing that his deep love for this church and how he misses all of them and wishes that he could see all of them. And of course, they could not probably all travel to where he was, but he wanted to let them know how much he missed all of them. And I can definitely identify with that, too, as we communicate with our African friends on Facebook. We just miss them so much and would love to have a chance to see them again. Um, and then let's go ahead and read verses 9 to 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ 
to the glory and praise of God. So he's praying that their love will abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So he's, you know, he's praying that they will continue to grow in their love for each other and for him and for the church and in discernment so that they grow as Christians and are able to discern things and lead others. And that is what we're supposed to do as Christians. Is We don't just accept Christ and sit back and enjoy it. We're supposed to grow and learn so that we can lead others to also know Jesus and also grow uh, in the faith. And then, uh, let's see, I lost my place now. Here we go. Uh, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. That word approve, uh, let's see what it says in your student book. It says approve, but there's another um, explanation of the meaning in my Bible that says discover or distinguish between the things which differ. So in other words, you might take it to say so that you could learn to approve the things that are excellent or to uh, recognize and approve the correct things, the things that are excellent. Does that make sense? And so, again, that refers to them growing as Christians to be stronger and to be able to understand what things are good or bad or what things the church should or should not do or Christians should or should not do. And so, you know, he's praying for them that they may um, continue towards excellence in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Again, he refers to the day of Christ. And he, he mentions here that, you know, if they can learn and grow, to, in order to be sincere and blameless. Now, we know that none of us are blameless. And, you know, I don't think he uh, meant that in the sense that they were perfect. Um, because none of us are. We always, we try though. But we, we fail. We do things that we should not have done or perhaps we neglect to do things that we should have done and in both ways we're not blameless but if we are Christians and we're trying to be strong and grow then we are trying our best to live a blameless life if that makes sense um, and then in verse 11 he refers to them as having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so, you know, the fruit of righteousness, that is, um, and he says, which, which the fruit, in other words, comes through Jesus Christ. So as, as a person accepts Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live within them, then the Holy Spirit causes them to begin to bear the fruit of righteousness. To do those things, to exhibit, you know, when a 
bush puts forth its fruit, um, it's like it's exhibiting what kind of bush it is, I guess you might say. You know, if it's a pear tree, it's going to put out pears. And then you can look at it and say, okay, that's a pear tree. Let's make some pear cobbler. And so in the same way, if you're a Christian, you will begin to exhibit the fruit of the righteousness that Jesus has given you. So it's not something that you do that on your own. But Jesus working in you or the Holy Spirit working in you causes that to begin to happen. And it's, it's just kind of automatic. As a person has accepted Christ, then it becomes, a, it becomes sort of automatic that the Holy Spirit causes you to desire to uh, do things that will be the things that God wants you to do. You know, that's kind of the way it works. And so that verse 11 then is the last verse that they cover today. And then next week, let's see, we're going to pick up with verse 12. So you might read from 12 to 26. Those are the verses for next week. And we'll talk about it again. And, you know, encourage each other this week. Call someone or send them a card. Pray for each other, as so many people have been sick. And, um, you know, think about yourself and your walk with Christ. Is it, do you see some works of righteousness in your life? Do you see some fruit of righteousness, I should say? Um, do you, you know, do you feel like your church is one that someone could look at it and have joy, you know, in looking at your church. And if not, then what could you do to make that better? You know, how could you work to help to make that to be that way? And it, it's all, it all gets down to our attitudes, doesn't it? It's, um, I heard a phrase one time that, you know, something about um, you know attitude being a reflection of and that that is the case isn't it that your attitude is reflecting what's in your heart and so we need to to examine ourselves and this will be a good time to do that as we work through the book of Philippians so I thank you for being with me this week and we'll um, we'll see you again next time around <music>